Father, we set ourselves to receive the word. And as your spokesman tonight, I set myself to be a vessel that you can flow through tonight. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. So I thank you, Lord, for the gifts, the gift that you placed on my life to teach and to pastor. I rely on that gift. It's not my gift. It's your gift. So I yield myself to it, Father, tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll give someone a high five. Even if it's an air high five. <laughs> you got all kinds of air high fives here in the house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Jesus. Look at all these smiling faces. Hallelujah. Y'all doing good? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's get in the word. You're excited about the word. Hallelujah. Always, always come to, to, to the house of God expecting. Always coming to, one, worship him. No other reason. Worship him and be expecting. Expecting that, you know, when, when, we, that when you get here, he's here because you're here. But expecting that when we come together in unity, wow, man, great things happen in unity. Don't they, Pastor Phil? <laughs> Pastor Phil ministered on unity last, last week, and he did such a good job. I, I think I, I'm going to just stay along the same topic tonight. So if, you, you, if you're into titles, uh, the title for tonight would be Love and Unity. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 133. Thank you for your prayers this uh, past several days. And I know Annette had you all pray for me. I was doing a camp meeting in San Angelo and had the opportunity to minister in like, had like five services in two and a half days. And so thank you for your prayers. Amen. I had such a great meetings out there. Oh, I needed to find 133. Hallelujah. My mind is, or say my spirit's going all sorts of directions right now. Mm, thank you, Father. Psalms 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Say unity. unity. Then it says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down from the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descends upon the mountains of Zion. So this, it tells us where this dew is descending from. It tells us it's the, it's on the mountains of Zion. Zion represents the church. It's a, it's an old Testament word for the, for the modern day church. And he tells us for there, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. And we'll, we'll get back to uh, Psalms 133 in a little bit. Colossians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together 
in unity. Now, there, there is a key component. There is a requirement. There is a necessity for something to happen in order for unity to be present. So Colossians 3 tells us, Colossians 3 verse 14 says, And above all these things, put on love, put on charity. This is charity. King James uses charity because, because it's not just a love that, that has, has sympathy, but it's a love that has an action. So here we put on this charity, we put on this agape, we put on this love, and it tells us which is the bond of perfectness. So what is the key component in order for love, I mean, in order for unity to be present? Go ahead, you can answer. Yeah, don't, don't be shy. Love. Love. Amplified says, and above all these, put on love and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal, ideal harmony. So there is this aspect of love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I, I, not, not that you aren't aware of this, but you, there's an all out attack on this nation. There's an all out attack in your home. There's an all out attack on your children. There's an all out attack on the church. There's all, all, all out attack on ministries and the attack is to keep unity from being present. You see, the enemy is a master at, 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 at bringing division. That's his, that's the, there's so many different MOs that the enemy has, but the bottom line is, is, is ultimately he wants to separate you from something. He wants to separate husbands and wives. He wants to separate children from their parents. He wants to separate people from their church. He wants to separate them. That, that's, that's what he wants to do. He, he wants to separate you from the call on your life. He, he wants to separate you from your heavenly father. He wants to separate you. Why? Because if he can divide you, he can separate you. He can conquer you. That's why when, the, when Jesus took the disciples and they were going across to the other side and there was a storm of hurricane proportion, that storm wasn't sent so Jesus could prove that they had lack of faith. No, that storm was sent because the enemy did not want Jesus getting to the other side. Why? Because as soon as they got to the other side, they met them was a demon-possessed man. And so when Jesus set that man free, Jesus said, stay there and tell the testimony of what happened to Decapolis, which was 10 surrounding cities. So what really came down to is the enemy was trying to keep Jesus from getting to the other side. Why? To, in order to set someone else free. And so the thing is, the enemy is always trying to bring division because if he can bring division, he will limit your effectiveness and he will limit your, he will eliminate your influence. And that's why he, he's trying to get our nation to hate one another and, 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 and be confused about things and this, this issue and that issue and all these things. And I'm not saying there's not real things going on, but the bottom line, it's trying to keep the church from taking its position of authority in the earth. And the key is love. Go to Matthew chapter 24. 
Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus, if you look at the, the title of this chapter in my Bible, for chapter 24, says this, the signs of the end of this age. And I, I'm not going to take time to read all this, but I, I just want to key on in verse, verse 12. King James says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The Amplified says, in the love of the great body of people, the great body of people will grow cold because of the multitude lawlessness in iniquity. So because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. So we just, we just prove the fact in order for us to have unity, we have to have love. And so what does Jesus tell us the sign of the end of the age would be that the love of the great body would grow cold. So if the love of the great body grows cold, then unity will only be a thought. See, that's what the enemy, the enemy wants the love of the great body to grow cold because if that love grows cold then unity will be limited. And if unity is limited, effectiveness is limited. Thank you, Father. Go to Philippians chapter 1. While you're turning there, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, he says, Above all these things, have a fervent love one for another. Above all these things, have a fervent love one for another. Paul constantly throughout his writings and teachings and his communication with the church is, is constantly talking about love. He's talking about unity. He's talking about faith. He's talking about hope. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. As we get to Philippians chapter 1, and this is a prayer that he prays over the church of Philippi. Let me get there. Philippians 1. Verse 9 says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. In this I pray, that your love may abound more and more. Now let's go to, go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Come on, first Thessalonians. Verse 11 says, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way into you. And he says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. So what is it? now we're seeing this, Paul is saying the same thing, that, that your love may abound more and more. And then he says, and to all men, and to all men, and to all men, even as it, even as it does towards you. So he's saying just like the same love that, that I have towards you is that same love needs to continue to abound more and more to all men, all men. So, so Jesus 
was giving us a warning and saying, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. But yet I can show you other instances where the Apostle Paul constantly is talking about love. Love. That love would abound. That love would grow. And why is it so important? Because if we don't have love towards all men, and we don't, and love's not abounding in this church, love's not abounding in your home, love's not abounding with your brothers and sisters in Christ, then, then if it's not happening, then unity will never take place. Amen. You know, I need, I need Vic and I to be unified because, because if, I, if it's not, then I'll always hit a lid in my life. If the love of God is not abounding in our lives, then you will always hit a lid. We'll come up short from really ultimately of what God really desires. So we have to have this love. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Probably by the time I get get to the end of this message tonight, you'll be like another scripture. If you've been here long enough, you, you, you might know that story, but... Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, this word provoke... And in, in how it's translated best in the Greek is the word incite. And if you, if you get a picture of this word provoke in the scripture, and I think it's something that we're familiar with over this last year, is it really means to incite a riot. That's, that's, the, that's the strength of this word provoke. Provoke one another to love. So, so incite, the word incite also means to stir up. What does the word riot mean? It means a brilliant display. It means, an unres- it means unrestrained. It means unbridled. So if there's a riot, there's a, it's, some, it's a brilliant display or an extravagant display. It's something that's unrestrained or it's something that's unbridled. So what is he saying here? Let us consider one another and incite a riot in love. So what would that that'd be a brilliant display of love? That would be an unrestrained love, a love that doesn't have restraints. An unbridled outbreak of love. What would happen in your home if there was just an unbridled outbreak of love? In your workplace, just an unbridled outbreak of love. In our church, just an unbridled outbreak of love. This is, this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He said that you provoke one another to love and to good works. Hallelujah. You see, because you can, we cannot have unity if we don't have love. Love is the, the, the foundation of what unity is going to be built upon. So we have to be established in this love. This is God's heartbeat. A brilliant, and now let me, I wrote this statement down, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. I believe a brilliant display of love will bring a brilliant display of unity. 
a brilliant or an unrestrained will bring a brilliant display of love will bring a brilliant display of unity. This is God's heartbeat. And it's something that we have to guard. It's something that we have to, because I tell you, the enemy will try to take you away from the church he's planted you in. He will try to do all he can to move you away from certain things. And that's why love has to continue to be the force that guides and directs our lives. Go back to Psalms 133. Why? Because love is that perfect bond of unity. Psalms 133. Let's look at this chapter again. We'll read the first verse and we'll read the third verse. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Verse 3. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descends upon the mountains of Zion, for there, for there, the Lord commanded the blessing. Say that with me. There, there. the Lord Lord commanded commanded the blessing. So we have to get to this place of loving one another, loving each other, loving all men. So we can get to this place of unity. And when we get to this place of unity, we have to understand we get to that place of unity. That's where God commands his blessing. He is not he it doesn't he just doesn't bless it. He commands his blessing. Wow. Meaning when he sees unity, I command my blessing to be there. Now, we know that word blessing, it can mean empowered to prosper, but I broke this word down based in the Hebrew letters because the word is how you say it. I'm not, I'm not Hebrew, so, so bear with me. Baraka, Barak. So, and there's actually three Hebrew words that make, three Hebrew letters that make this up that cut roots. And the first root is bet. The second, the second root is resh, and the last root is ka. Now, let, let's break down each one of these words because they paint the, the Hebrew language and each symbol paints a picture for us, okay? And so let, I'm going to give you a picture of what blessing looks like. Okay, for the first part of the word, bet is an open door or a dwelling place. The second part of that word is resh, and it's to, it denotes many or it de- denotes abundance. And kaf gives us a picture of an open hand. And it means a hand that gives. So if I look at, if I look at the Hebrew letters and I look at that word and I define blessing this way, where unity is, there is an open door for his hand to bring about abundance and increase. See, where unity is, that's where he commands his blessing. And if we look at the, each one of those words of what makes up that word, Barak, what we see is, is it either a dwelling place or it's an open door where his hand brings much or abundance. Bring much of what? Everything he is. 
everything he has without limitation. That's why when Jesus was talking to the disciples in, in Matthew, and he said, where two, where whatever two of you as touching anything, it shall be done by my father, which is in heaven. Why? Why two? Because there's unity and where that unity is, that is where that open door is, or that is that place where his hand brings abundance. Why? Because there's unity there. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. Why? Because there's unity, and because there's unity, he comes into the place. There's power in unity. And this is a, this is a natural law, not just a spiritual law. There's power in unity. Why would I say it's a natural law? Well, well, you, you can look, you can make note of Genesis chapter 11. And you had this man, this leader, this king at that time named Nimrod. Yes, that is a name in the Bible. His name's Nimrod. And here he is. He, 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 he gathers all these people and it says, it, it says in, I think it's verse 5 and 6 or so in Genesis 11. It said, because they spoke the same language. And they were of one heart and one mind. It said nothing would be restrained from them. And you could say, oh, well, you know, okay, yeah. But it got God's attention to it enough where God had to come down and confuse. Up to that time, there was only one language in the whole earth. And so at that time, God had to come down and confuse their language. Why? Because now that they couldn't, they, they couldn't understand each other, they couldn't be in unity. And we may speak the same language today, but, but there's, there's, there is a deceiver <laughs> that is trying to keep us from understanding each other. So there's, and so, so God had to do this. Why? Because, because God understood, God understood the power of unity. God said, I've got to do something. Their heart wasn't right. This, they, weren't, they weren't wanting to build a tower so they could get to God. They wanted to build a tower so they could compete with God. So God had to do something about it. Why? Because he knew the power of unity, especially if they kept speaking the same thing. What if you and I, all of us, came here each week and were speaking the same thing, saying the same thing, thinking the th- same thing? Wow. What if you and your wife are speaking the same thing? <laughs> wow. But see, you see how the enemy works and he, why? He, he wants to divide because he, he doesn't, he wants to limit effectiveness. There's power in unity. Where unity is, there's power. I even see this in the beginning, in the very beginning, in, in, in Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, in two different places. We see unity at work, and we see the power of it. What do we see in Genesis 1, the first few verses? It said, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And was said, and the Holy Spirit hovered. And then when God said, light be, 
the Holy Spirit. And actually, what was that? They were working together. Genesis one twenty six. What did what they? What did they, does it say? It says, "Let us, let us, let us, let us make man in our image." So, what are we seeing? We're seeing the power of unity. We're seeing the power of unity. When we get when we unify with the word. Amazing things happen. Because when we unify with the word, we're also being unified with God. I I want you to see another example of unity within scripture. How about the story when the angel comes to Mary? Speaks to Mary. Tells her what's, what's going to happen. Let's go ahead and go there. I think you need to see this. Sorry, it's Luke Luke chapter uh, 1. Luke chapter 1. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I have no intimacy with a man? Then the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing, this offspring which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. And listen, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is now the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for with, for with God, nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power and possible fulfillment. Then Mary said, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to what you have said. What was Mary doing? Mary was unifying herself with what was spoken. Let it be just like what you said. See, there's power in unity. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. There's power in in unity. We see other places throughout the Bible. Amos 3.3. 3, how can two walk unless they be in agreement? You can make note of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. 7, 7 verse 12. First part of it says. Here is one alone. And if he's alone. He can have no child. And he can have no brother. Then he goes on and, and says. That two are better than one. And then he goes on and says, says a threefold cord is not easily broken. What does that mean? Why? Because there's unity. There's unity. And where there's unity, there's power. Where there's unity, there's ability. Where there's unity, extraordinary things can happen. Why? Because that's where he commands his blessing. He commands his blessing. I don't know about you, but I, I, I need his blessing in my life. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And I'll start to close with this. Thank you, Father. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Let's look at verse 11. 
says, and when the priest had come out of the holy place, for all the priests present had sanctified themselves, separating themselves from everything that defiles without regard to their divisions. Now, I've, I've read these scriptures a lot, and this is some of my, my favorite scriptures dealing with the presence of God showing up, the glory of God showing up. But it's interesting how it says, from everything that defiles without regard to their divisions. Meaning they, they, they had separate tribes, they had separate families, but they had to get to a place where their divisions didn't define them. Because if we let our, divi- div- we let our differences define us, then we'll always separate ourselves. And that's what the enemy wants to, wants, wants to happen. So here, this is without regard to their divisions. And all the Levites who were singers and all those of Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, with their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen, having cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood at the east end of the altar and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets. So, see, he, they were all these different divisions, but now what happened? All these different people came together. All these different people came together. And when they came together, then verse 13, I love this where it says, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and they praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. And then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now listen to this. So that the priests could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. The glory had filled the house of God. But I want, to, I, want, I want us to see tonight that the glory would not have filled the house if they remained in their divisions. They would have not, they would have not if they, they remained in their, their divisions. That's why I refuse to have racism in this church. I refuse to... For us to be a, 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 uh, a church that's, that only, only ministers to this certain age group. And that's our primary focus. I refuse. We are a generational church. I believe if there's only one predominant age group within a church, I believe something's missing. Because I believe Abraham is always to resource Isaac to empower Jacob. I believe there's always a Moses to release an anointing upon a Joshua. So that's what we can't, we can't, in these days that we're living in, we can't allow divisions within us. Because we need this unity. I I need the glory of God. This is, this is what revival is birthed out of. It was when every, everyone came together and had one focus, one pursuit, and that's God. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's, let's, let's read this in light. Hallelujah. Let's read this in light of what we just read in Second Chronicles. 
Thank you, Father. Actually, I believe I need to do... Thank you, help me, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to make sure I don't... I'm supposed to read something else first. Thank you, Father. Well, chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And these all continued with one accord. In prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing of a violent tempest blast and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues resembling a fire which were separated and distributed which settled on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, foreign languages, tongues as the Spirit kept giving, giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. What I want you to see is we understand there were 12, there was 12 disciples and we know there were women present. We know Jesus showed up and revealed himself to 500 and told all 500 to go to go to Jerusalem, but yet only 120 showed up. I don't know, but those other 380 missed out. But if you think about this, you know, we know 12 disciples and they all were from different backgrounds. They were wealthy ones. They were ones that had their own business. They were people from other tribes, other, other lands, all sorts of people. Jesus ministered and taught through all, throughout Galilee, Jericho, road to Damascus, all these places. So, so there's, think about it, There's all sorts of races. There's all sorts of people groups that are in the upper room on that day. All sorts of people. There was all sorts of people outside. We know there was all sorts of people outside because this was this was uh, this was the Pentecost, and they would come to to certain feasts during that time. And and we know there was Ethiopians there. There were Medes. There were all sorts of different races and and people from different nationalities and different languages. Why do we know that? Because it said we each hear them praying in our own dialect. So what are, we, what are we seeing here? What I want you to see is when a group of people that let their divisions go and chose to surrender themselves to Jesus, follow Jesus' instructions to be, like chapter one said, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And over a period of time, we don't necessarily know how many days that were. It could have been 10 days. That, that, that they might have been in there. But we know at some point, we know that we know Pentecost was what, 50 days after the after G, after um, uh, Passover. We know it was 50 days. So take three days and Jesus going up and coming back down. And how many days after that? So we don't know exactly how many days they were in that upper room. But but we know because of their unity. The glory of God showed up. 
And I'm telling you, every time that we show up and we push our divisions aside and we come together to worship God in unity, we, we will continue to be filled. His presence will fill this place, fill our lives. Unity, love and unity. I'm going to, I'm going to close with a story. In the, era, in the year 155 B.C. up to 220 B.C., there was a, a scholar, a man named Tertullian. He was a church leader. He was an early church father. His name was Tertullian. And he writes about this according to the Roman government. And he, he writes this. And like I said, this was, this was about 155 years after Jesus. And he writes this. He writes that the Roman government was disturbed about the early church. Christians were increasing number by leaps and bounds. Because they wouldn't take even a pinch of incense and put it before the images of the Roman emperor. And because of that, the Romans felt that they might be a disloyal people. So they sent spies to go into the Christian gatherings and they came back with this report. Now listen to this report. These Christians are strange people. They meet together in an empty room to worship. They do not have an image. They speak of the one by the name of Jesus who is absent, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. In my how they love him and how they love each other. <laughs> Think about that. This, this, that was the complaint that the spies had to take back to the Roman, the Roman emperor, to the Caesar of the day. These Christians are very strange people. They meet together in an empty room to worship. They do not have an image. They speak of one by the name of Jesus who is absent, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. And my, how they love him and how they love each other. So let me ask you a question. If spies came in from our government to see whether our Christianity is genuine, what would the verdict be? Would they come back with a report that they're just expecting this Jesus to show up any time? Would they come back with, oh, how they love him and oh, how they love each other? Wow. If you think about it, 120 people in an upper room that were unified. Within moments of coming out, 3,000 people got saved. What could happen if just 120 of us got in unity in here? Wow. I want that. I want that. <laughs> Do you want that? Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your love. 
I thank you for your love that you have for each one of us. And I thank you, Lord, as I sowed this word this, this tonight. I thank you, Lord, that, that there's something is, is continuing to grow and shift in the atmosphere of this church. I declare, enemy, you are not welcome here. Enemy in any and every demonic force, you are not welcome here. I thank you, Father, that there will be no divisions in any aspect of our lives, our churches, or our families. Because in this now season, in this season of abundant overflow... We, we declare that love will abound more and more. And unity, unity will manifest. So, Father, adjust any of our hearts. Holy Spirit, work within us. Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. To cause us to operate in love and unity. And we will see the glory of God in ways that we've never seen before. Because of the love that's present and the unity that's present. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you receive this tonight? If you do, just say, I receive that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. That love abound more and more in every way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Mm. Hallelujah. God is good. Such a sweet presence here. Mm.